0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office.
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 chat. Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Want to tell you, Royal Pizza, 50 years Edmonton owned and operated. Royal Pizza. Which, way back in the day, Stu McGregor... Uh, When I was uh, playing for him in uh, 1982-83, he used to take me after uh, every game because he was the driver and the coach. And I was uh, the useless 16-year-old on his team that uh, didn't score enough. Anyhow, uh, Royal Pizza, pizza pasta and so much more. For menu locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Way back in 2000-2001, I'd uh, pop down to Red Deer to go see the Medicine Hat Tigers play. Uh, a friend of mine, Craig Lupel's son Joffrey, was, uh, I think he was scoring 50 goals that year, and uh, Medicine Hat picked up a guy by the name of Vern Fiddler out of the uh, Kelowna Rockets, and uh, Joff said, hey, this guy is an absolute uh, glue guy, great guy. He had a real good year that year, and uh, Vern ended up etching out quite the NHL career for himself. Um, He'd been doing some work for the Dallas Stars organization, and he is now going to work for the uh, Kelowna Rockets. We welcome back to the show, and he is a personality, Vern Fiddler. Hey, Vern, how are you doing? Good guys, how are you doing? Good. So, uh, what's going on these days? You're 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 going down the coaching uh, path, uh, returning to an organization that you once used to play for, the uh, Kelowna Rockets. Uh, tell us uh, about uh, the decision to make, uh, uh, you know, that step in uh, this journey that we call life.
1: Yeah, you know what? It it all kind of came out of nowhere. I had a great job down here working for the Stars, and uh, as, as an organization coach, working with the young guys and uh, the the big group uh, when when they were at home. And um, you know, Bruce Hamilton phoned me about three weeks ago and asked if I'd be interested in possibly coming back and, and helping uh, them out. Uh, their host hosting Memorial Cup this year, and he was looking for a you know a guy that uh, had been around the been around the block a bit and, you know, worked with forwards and, you know, kind of wanted to dip his foot into coaching and, you know, we started talking, got a little more serious and ended up signing a a good deal with the the Rockets to go back and help them uh, obtain their goal of winning the Memorial Cup and I'm looking forward to getting back home where I have a summer house and uh, moving my family back to Kelowna here in July.
0: All right. Well, look, you're an Edmonton area product. Uh, when you were playing for Kelowna uh, way back when, in the late 1990s, did you ever envision for a second that you would uh, play 877 games in the National Hockey League?
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I was happy to play one game in the NHL, and it turned out to be a lot more. And, uh, you know, a lot of good people throughout my career helped me as far as coaching, uh, you know, Barry Trotz, Dave Tippett, Lindy Roth, a lot of you know great guys that uh that cared about their players and i uh, always looked out for the best interest of their guys and uh you know i, I was very fortunate to, to play on great organizations and great teams that you know took care of their guys and you know before you know it you're you know 38 39 years old you don't know what to do after hockey but uh, i thank all those guys that helped me throughout the years and uh You know, it was a lot of hard work, but it was definitely
0: worth it. I I imagine going out and seeing you guys play uh, against Red Deer in 2000-2001, Vernon. Uh, You know, Joffrey was on that team, but so too was Jay Bo Meester. How cool was it for you to watch Bo, uh, Bo Hoist that Stanley Cup after 16 years in the NHL?
1: You know what? It was it was awesome. Jay, uh, me and Jay got got a chance to play uh, minor hockey a little bit together when he'd come up with our group. He was a year younger than us, and you know, Jay's dad had a big influence in my hockey career too. He was uh, my math teacher growing up, and you know, always around the rink and helping out. And um, it was it was uh, it was awesome to watch Jay. He's uh, he's been a, a foot soldier for the Millwoods and Edmonton area for a long time, growing hockey, and um, it was great to lift see him lift that Stanley Cup over his head. He's a guy that, uh, he doesn't say a whole bunch, but um, he's always there to put the work in, and he's had a great career himself, and uh, I was happy for him and his family to see him hoist that Cup over his head.
0: I actually made a mistake uh, when we talked about you playing on that team in uh, 2000-2001 in Medicine Hat, because uh, Lupel scored 50 the next year. Uh, Jay and Joffrey were both late born players that went in the top seven of the NHL draft. So, put your... uh, your, your scouting hat on when you when you went to Medicine Hat this year uh, that year, did you you knew Bowmeister was going to be a consensus top two or three overall pick? Did you ever have any clue that Lupul would end up being a top ten pick when you first went to Medicine Hat that year?
1: You know what? I, I never really had heard of Joffrey, but uh, you know we ended up actually living together at the same billets, and um, so I'm going to take credit for all of his career. He, you know, I taught him how to score goals and take care of himself off the ice so i am taking taking full credit for his career but uh on a serious note he was a guy that you could really shoot the puck he was uh, you know a strong skater kind of that power forward mentality in, in the junior levels and uh, i knew about probably about three months after i got there that he was going to be a special player his, his release was outstanding you know he was a solid kid came from a great family and he always wanted to put the work in. That's what impressed me about Joffrey was he was always willing to shoot pucks, extra pucks after practice, stay out and, you know, put in the work and do the little things that, that made him better. And, you know, he had himself a great, uh, great career himself. Uh, you know, obviously he ran into some injuries, but, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that uh, I definitely did have, have my eyes on because I knew he was going to turn into something special.
0: And yeah, what I remember about that season with you is he, he was Rookie of the Month in January, he was Rookie of the Month in February, and he was Rookie of the Month in March, and he didn't end up being the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Year. I, and the only other time I could, and I'm not comparing the two players, but Connor McDavid was healthy for basically three months of the 15-16 season, and he was Rookie of the Month all three months, and he wasn't Rookie of the Year. So uh, those things happen. We're joined by Vern Fiddler. Uh, Vern, you made the most of your career, but you were always willing to have a little bit of fun. And you're involved in one of the most, and I know you've been asked about this a hundred times, one of the funniest uh, incidents ever. Uh, you made Elaine Vigneault loses, uh, lose it on the Vancouver bench. Uh, and you had some fun at Kevin BX's, uh expense. And, and I know you, if, if, if BX didn't take it the right way, I know you'd be prepared to back it up. But... What crossed your mind as you kind of mimicked how Biexa would kind of skate around the ice in his that that sort of cocky way that BX, and Biexa ran the Oilers show for years, man. But what 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 sort of made you think of doing that that situation?
1: Well, you know what, me and Kevin—he's a, a you know a nasty guy to play against. He was always a gamer that was uh, he wouldn't give you very much free ice on the uh, out there on the ice, and uh, he was always all over me. It didn't matter whether whether you know he was on the power play penalty kill me and him just had battle after battle and you know you try to chirp him or something and he just looked at you with his angry face and it started to you know you know get on my nerves a little bit so i started you know giving him that face back and before i knew it actually jamie bennett texts me that night he goes what did you do on the bench because it's all over twitter and it's all over sportsnet CSN." i'm like i don't know i guess i just you know, made a face at BX, but he's like, well, their coach is like in hysterics and all I remember was that looking over in between the benches and the two trainers were down on their, like, basically squatting, doing a squat position, leaning themselves up against the wall guy and laughing, so I thought it was just the trainers, but uh, l- later in the day, I found out that it was actually Vigneault that couldn't keep it together. But, you know, I got a lot of respect. I don't know Kevin, but he was a hard guy to play against. Now he's willing to battle, and uh, it-, it was nothing personal, but it-, it turned out to be a little bit more personal than I would have liked to
0: be. See, like, to me, you were sort of that stereo, like, I know by that point, uh, I mean, you played all those years in Nashville, and they just they seem to have all these guys that were kind of grinders, right? They had to wheel their way up and, you know, third, fourth line guys that started in the coast and then played in the American Hockey League, but they played with an edge, and they didn't take any crap on the ice. And is that kind of how you played as well?
1: Oh, 100%. That's what Barry Trotz's mentality was. He uh, you know, even when they signed me out of the American League, uh, my first NHL contract, like he was trying to convince me that I could potentially play on the team next year. And I'm like kind of listening to them, him and Ray Shero and David Paul. I'm thinking, like, are these guys just telling me this so I'll sign the contract? But, man, they <laughs> held their word. They, uh, If they liked you and you are willing to play their system to a T and, and battle each and every night, like it was your last game, they would go to bat three and... Um, you know that, that that was the mentality, and that's still the mentality in Nashville. Obviously, they have a lot more skill now, but you know they got a. They, they, their management does a great job of finding these guys that are ready to compete every night, and you know that's why they've had such such a successful run.
0: Vern Fiddler joining us in Oilers now. Bob Stauffer with you, uh, Vern. Going back, we'll get to Dave Tippett in a second. But I remember during the lockout in twelve thirteen, uh, you actually helped out. Was it Taylor Harnett? Yeah. Uh, were you doing ghost coaching there? Did you, what, what exactly did you end up doing? Because they, he had an unbelievable run of players out of the Southside Athletic Club. I mean, they had a terrific AAA Bantam team, and that was the year that Tyler Benson was on the team, and he's a real good Oilers prospect now. Uh, Stuart Skinner uh, was on that team as well in goal. Uh, how much coaching did you actually end up doing that half season?
1: Well, you know what? I was actually just back in town visiting, and you know, Taylor's one of my best friends. So, you know, he was coaching. Uh, he was coaching uh, the the Showside Athletic Club at the time, and he said, "You got to come out and watch my team." So I just went out and watched. That's when I ran into you. But you know, there were some great players on that team, and they were going on a really good run. I think they ended up winning nationals that year. Which uh, you know, Taylor Harnett, he's a you know up and coming coach. He's coaching the Wolverines and uh, the MJHL and doing an outstanding job there um he just asked me to come out and i i got to watch tyler Benson. i think he had four points in his first two shifts uh you know i knew he was going to be a top end kid and you know they had a really good team and you know taylor had those boys playing at a high level and it was fun to watch especially watch the team that i had grown up playing for and you know got my chance with and uh You know, Taylor did did a great job with
0: those boys. All right, Uh, Dave Tippett, you mentioned that he was one of your coaching influences along the way. What did Dave, uh, you know, for Oilers fans that maybe aren't that familiar with Dave, of course he hasn't been an NHL head coach for the last couple of years, Um, there is a perception that he's really a defensive-minded coach. Is that true? And uh, what did you like the most about what Dave did? Yeah, Dave's an outstanding coach, Uh,
1: you know, him and Barry Trost, by far my favorite coaches to play for. Um, Dave is a very detailed defensive coach, uh, very intelligent guy that uh, expects a lot out of his players. He's very honest, uh, great communicator. You know, it's it, it, it's not uh, something far far thing to say that he'll he'll walk by in the dressing room and tell you exactly what your role is that night, whether you're checking against the top line or you guys got to go against this line. He's he's always giving you some kind of a task. That's what I loved about Dave so much. and... He didn't care who you were. If you were a first liner or a fourth liner, he he treated everybody the same. And I think that's why Dave's so well respected in the league as a good coach and uh, a good mentor. Is he's 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 an equal coach. It's not like he's going to treat the the superstars any different than the fourth liners, which I think is is how you have success in the NHL. And um, you know, as far as. The offense goes. He's very intelligent on that side of the puck, but you do have to take care of your own end first and and play on the right side of the puck to be on Dave's good side, uh, which fared well, very well for me because that's the kind of player I was. But um, I don't think uh, it's going to take him very long to turn that team around in Edmonton. He's a very sharp guy, uh, very well respected has a great presence and. Um, you know, he'll have a lot of tricks up his sleeve to get that organization turned around as quick as he can.
0: Vern Fiddler joining us. Vern, one, uh, a couple more here for you. You were down in Dallas, you were at the Stars organization. Hey, man, it went game seven against St. Louis, and the Blues ended up winning the cup. Uh, Pat Maroon got the goal for uh, St. Louis, but does it show how close it really is in the NHL? Like, it literally is. I think back to the Oilers in 06 against Carolina. Dwayne Rollison, who we're going to have on the show next week, uh, you know, he gets hurt in game one, and the Oilers lose the seventh game an empty net goal, 3 1 final score. And I look at Dallas, and man, they were close this year, weren't they?
1: Yeah, we really were. We, we took a lot of big steps. Uh, you know, the leadership group really took over after our bye week in in uh, February. And, you know, the Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, John Klingberg, Ben Bishop, these guys all were just, you know, sick of just being okay, and they really, You know, took the bull by the horns and, um, you know, took our team to the next level. And you're right, Bob, like you get to the playoffs and, you know, on any given night you can win and, you know, you get up in the series, you get a little bit of pressure on the other team. But at the end of the day, the the Blues were just a better team. They, you know, they really took it to us in the first and the second. And by the third, we were, you know, we ran out of gas. We got a little bit of a life in the first overtime and had probably three or four really good chances to, to win the series. But uh, you know, we had our, we had great goaltending from Ben Bishop. Our defense played outstanding. Uh, Heiskanen was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, they definitely got a lot of good pieces moving forward. Rupe hints. They got a lot of great pieces moving forward. And I, I wish them nothing but, but success. And I'll be keeping my eye on them
0: for sure. All right. Uh, I, I did not know about this uh, about you, Ke- uh, Vern. Uh, I knew about the Kevin Bieksa. I didn't. Did you catch George Strait's cowboy hat or something at a con? Like I've, get like, I've got like seven or eight texts coming in on our Heartland Fort. Stoff, you got to ask him about the George Strait cowboy hat. What is that about?
1: Yeah, you know what? It was crazy. Uh, George Strait is, was doing his last tour and, and he was ending it in Dallas uh, at Arlington Stadium in uh, in Arlington at the AT and T Stadium where the Cowboys play. One hundred and ten thousand people. Uh, last, well, three days before the concert, my friend phones me and says, hey, you want to come to t- uh, the concert? I got third row seats. I'm like, well, absolutely, George Strait's a legend. I'm in. So me and Marty Turco went with our friend EJ from Nashville. And, uh, you know, we we got into the vodkas, of course. And by the end of the show, we were ready to get out of there. We didn't want to stay for the encore. And our friend EJ's like, no, no, stick around. He's going to chuck his cowboy hat out. So we're thinking, like, what are the chances of us getting this cowboy hat? So we were, like, trying to leave. And he's like, no, let's just we'll stay for this last song cowboy rides away so he goes off the stage and he's i'm like he ain't throwing no hat let's go Well, i turn around he's walking back out the crowd's going crazy he comes in he the stage is rotating and sure enough he's like literally standing right in front of us And he chucks this cowboy hat and he, it boomerangs up and it literally i wasn't even looking it hit me right in the chest like, it couldn't have hit me. I put my arms around it, and, I mean, I got swarmed by people. Like, people were offered this. One guy took his Rolex watch off. He said, I'll trade you this for the hat. And I was like, no, no, I'm keeping it. Police escort right out of, out of the show. Um, <laughs> but it ended up right on my lap. I got this hat, and I don't know. Like, I, I just put it on my head, right? People were trying to touch it. And uh, sure enough, about three days later, I got a, a George Strait. Uh, a, a, he, he caught he. Uh, collected all of uh, George's pieces he phoned me he got a hold of the stars and he got a hold of me I was already back in Kelowna at the time and he he's like I want to buy the hat oh am like, like I'm it's not for sale he's like well I'm I'm talking like six digits I'd give you for that hat and I'm like oh I might not reconsider this but i ended up keeping it oh Hopefully man it'll be more one day so yeah, i still got it in my closet i even threw it on one time and wore it to a to an event in nashville when i got traded back there i threw it on and got it's all signed on the inside it's got authentic, <laughs> authentic uh, sticker on the inside people think i'm crazy for wearing it but it's one uh, definitely one of my favorite pieces i've I've uh, come across over my career. And Vern, as a great
0: Canadian, I know this. You didn't spill the vodka either when you caught the hat, did you?
1: No, absolutely not. (laughs) Not an (laughs) ounce. All right. Hey,
0: best of luck in uh, Kelowna. We'll touch base down the road, okay? Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right. You bet. That is Vern Fiddler. It is one. I never heard that story. And I thought, you know, I kind of think I'm a bit of a know-it-all. I didn't know that. That is funny. Funny. Hey, special thanks to our texters and callers who are reaching. They notified us. We got like 18 different texts on this topic. We'll take a quick break for one minute. This is Oilers Now. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad, It's 154 at Edmonton. Just a reminder that you can sign up at edmontonoilers.com before the end of the week to register for priority access to purchase your own power pack before the general public, starting at only $139. We're going to head off to this day in Oilers history and uh, you didn't. You got a different one than the one that's on the script because that was yesterday's? I do. Okay, there you go. Back in 2011, Bob, the Oilers trade
1: 2005 first rounder Andrew Cogliano to Anaheim for a second round pick in the 2013 draft. Cogliano played every game in his first four NHL
0: seasons with Edmonton and set an NHL record, scoring the overtime winner in three consecutive games. Great guy, currently playing for the Dallas Stars. At that time, uh, Dan Tenser was Working at the station, and I, uh, lunch was on uh, the other station. And, uh, well, you know, sometimes you got to share numbers with guys, you know what I mean? That's kind of how it works. But Andrew's a terrific fellow, and, uh, I actually thought there was a chance the Oilers might acquire him at some point last season. Did not come to fruition. We've got lots of texts coming in. Uh, hey, Brendan, it's Daryl and Dave. Are you down for the blank tonight? And he's referring to an establishment uh, at a downtown location. So there you go, Brendan. You're getting guys calling you asking whether or not they can wow. meet. You.
1: Right on, fellas. I'm interested.
0: <laughs> at your age, uh, if you're uh, not married, uh, yeah, any night that you can go. To you know what? I went to a Southside establishment last night. Saw the uh, Cairo Brothers. So I was, uh, which which is always a good thing. Uh, again, you can and thank you to the eight or nine other fellows that happened to swing by and say hello over the course of uh, the second half of the football game as the Eskimos thoroughly dismantled the BC Lions. Are those friends of yours? Do you recognize uh, those Lions? I know exactly who's Do, texting, you, oh, yeah. Okay, so these aren't just guys that you know just want to meet the rising uh, sports broadcasting star that is Brendan That's Escott. That's correct, but apparently I will be at an establishment tonight if you're interested in that as well. But you don't invite the guy that hosts the show to that establishment? I'm so loaded up on pills right now, uh, dealing with something that that might not be a good thing. Uh, <laughs> Camshaft says, love that fiddler. What a cool interview. Had no idea about the hat. Uh, <laughs> the show has to be have the uh, best informative fans. Thank you uh, from Camshaft. We got, we got a very intelligent fan base. Like 97% of the texters to this show bring some serious uh, stuff. You get the 1% or 2% that are a little bit discouraging, but we got some terrific textures. Um, Blair says, I was at that concert. Awesome cowboy hat status. Uh, Katie says, Vern Fiddler automatically goes to. Uh uh, what's he saying? Beauty status for Katie, uh, KDK. Uh, Bob, interesting tidbit about George uh, Strait's cowboy hat and how he caught it. Can you please ask him? And that one came to us from, uh, was it Jason or Jase? We got like multiple guys. Uh, Texas. Bob, have the Oilers uh, signed Swedish defenseman yet that they've drafted? I Can, uh, can't think, uh, is he referring to Berglund? They've not signed Berglund. Obviously they've signed Broberg. That's a given. Alright. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing on Monday yet. Who knows? We'll work on it. We'll wait for any weekend news, and we'll figure it out from there. And maybe there will be some news on the weekend. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McAfee. Reminder tonight, Inside Sports, Reid Wilkins. What's you got shaking? Oh, he has... Gene Principe in studio. Oh, well, what, a, what a wonderful fellow he is. He's and, a nice uh, man. Blake Dermott says, well, our Eskimos inside the game analyst, he will recap last night's victory over BC. Uh, Blake Dermott not only played football, but hockey at the University of Alberta. He's my old color man from the Golden Bears broadcast. Up next, uh, Kerry McCarthy, a global news weather traffic update, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with guest hosts Kelsey Campbell and Morgan Black. So long, everybody.